desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. are stronger and sin is broken oh man how exciting we have a risen savior turn your bibles to luke chapter 7 i just have to look a minute see how you are (laughs) um Let's start out by reading the passage this morning, and you may just remain seated. Um, Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36, and I'd like to read the story to you as we start this morning, and then as I speak, I'd like to go through it kind of verse by verse and, and kind of fill in some blanks or explain why some things are important or what they mean. So follow along. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal. So Jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat. And a certain immoral or sinful woman heard he was there and brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. His tears fell on his, her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees, who was the host, saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, this proves that Jesus is not a prophet. If God had really sent him, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus spoke up and answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. All right, teacher, Simon replied, go ahead. When Jesus told him a story, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to another, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Well, Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but she has kissed my feet again and again from the time I came, first came in. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume." I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who has forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who does this man think he is going around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father, um, we come to you this morning and we give you great honor and praise 
and glory, and we give you our worship. And we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son. Not to condemn us, but that, that the world through him might believe. And we have this story this morning, Father, that illustrates once again the depth of your love and the redeeming power of Jesus. And so, Father, as we look at this story this morning, open our hearts. Help us to receive from your word. Father, I pray that your, your Holy Spirit would be the great teacher this morning and bring the truth of your word and what I can share to the hearts. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I love studying what, before I have to speak because I knew for weeks already that this was going to be my passage. It is so much fun. I mean, it's fun to just wallow in a passage for a while. Sometimes we read and we keep going and keep going. And, and I've been studying this for weeks. And, uh, you know, I used to bury myself in commentaries and try to figure out all that it said. And then, as savvy as I am on the Internet, I now can look on the Internet and find stuff. But one other thing I've really grown to appreciate is listening to sermons from other pastors. And so I um, do my study in the morning, and then I'll say to Gwen, I'm going to go for my study walk, because I like to walk in the morning or in the afternoons, and, and I'll go for my walk, and I'll put a sermon on, I'll put a sermon on on this passage, and um, I'll just hear other viewpoints or, or approaches to the message, and I appreciate that so much. And, and uh, so I come to you to speak this morning, and um, so I listen to all these sermons, and I realize something is missing when we come to church, when I come and I speak on Sunday morning. I don't get a big introduction. Like, nobody said a word. And when I listen online, all these speakers, and then I listen, I like... H.B. Charles. I love listening to him. Doesn't that have a ring? H.B. Charles. So this morning, M.D. Walters is speaking to you. And if you like M.D., you could just put Dr. Walters in there. And, and that would be good. Um, I listened to an introduction for a pastor the other day. And they went on about, he had written 70 books I don't know when he had time to preach. He wrote 70 books, and he had spoken at so many conferences, and he had been in so many churches, and he had interviewed with so many people um, uh, that were famous, or he had been on television. And to be honest, the introduction is about as long as my sermon's going to be this morning. So that gives you a little hope, because the introduction wasn't that long. Um, anyhow, so I, I listened to this, and I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. All right, well, I'm here this morning. Um, I, I want to start out with something this morning. So kids, adults, everybody, if you want, get a, get a pencil in your hand and a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, I just want you to write your name. So this is an exercise that I did in about fourth grade with my friend, Dennis. And Dennis and I spent every recess together 
And then one day, we came up with this crazy idea. So write your name down. Just print it out. Write your name. I'll give you a minute, just in case you have a long name. Now, below that, write your name backwards. Now, if your name is Bob this morning, you didn't notice a lot of change, all right? But when my friend Dennis and I did this, we came up with Synod and Cram. Well, Synod moved away in about fifth grade, and Cram stayed behind. And I stayed Cram not only through grade school, but through junior high and through senior high. I don't even know if some kids knew my name. I was Cram. And in fact, um, it's been a couple of years since I've seen my uh, senior choir teacher. Um, I would meet her once in a while at our Good Friday service. And she looks at me and she smiles. And with a little twinkle in her eye, she says, hi, Cram. Even my teacher called me Cram. Well, fortunately, I didn't mind it, okay? And sometimes nicknames that we get aren't all that good, or we might not care for them. Um, if your nickname is dumb or stupid, that hurts. Or if your nickname is fat because you happen to weigh more than I do, that hurts. And the old adage, sticks and stones may break, break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Yeah, that's not true. It sounds good, but it's not true. Names hurt. And we're looking at a woman this morning in our story who had a rather sad name. But before I get to that, let me, let me just show you why I think it's bad. Because I'll let you in on a little secret that goes on in our house. First of all, it's not a secret. I love my wife very much. And so every now and then, kind of regular, I just break out and I make up my own song. And I start singing to her. I make up my own tune. I make up my own words. And so one day I started singing to her, Oh, I love you, Gwenner. I love you. No, just a minute. I have to think here how I did it. Um, I sang, I love you, Gwenner. Okay, her name is Gwen. I don't know why I did that. And then I tried to throw in something, I love you. But when I tried to come up with a word that rhymed with Gwenner, the only thing I could sing was, but you are a sinner. Now, sometimes she rates my songs. And she'll go, that was a pretty good one. Because I'll get something to rhyme like two, three lines. But when I hit sinner, she said, yeah, maybe you want to work on that one. Now, I'm still having trouble. So if you have a good word that rhymes with sinner that I could put into my song, if you would let me know, I'd appreciate it. Winner. <laughs> you are a winner. <laughs> I racked my brain. Of course, I was in a losing mode. <laughs> There's three people in our story this morning that we're talking about. Jesus, a Pharisee, and a woman whose name we don't have. She's only known as a sinner. What a title to be given. 
a sinner. I'm sure that hurt. Well, let me do this. Let's start through this passage here, and let's meet this woman called Sinner. But as we do that, we have to set the scene. And it's kind of interesting. We have the story, and in the first four verses, nobody really says anything. So let's, let's get the scene. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal. Now, what is a, what is a Pharisee? I'm going to tell you, a Pharisee is just somebody who's very, very religious. Well, what is religion? Religion is belief in God expressed in conduct or ritual. So we have this certain Pharisee, this guy who is just trying to obey laws. He's got rules. He's got, he's got this conduct or this code that he has to live. In fact, a Pharisee sits around all day and reads his Bible. A Pharisee studies his Bible all the time. A Pharisee gets to teach all the time. In fact, you know what the Pharisees did? They not only study and taught the Word, they made up their own rules. So like the Bible says you can only do a certain number of things, but Pharisees said, well, you can't do this, this, and this either. In fact, their rules were so, so huge that even Jesus in their eyes was a sinner because he didn't obey all of their rules, okay? So, a Pharisee is somebody who's very religious, okay, um, but doesn't necessarily know Jesus. He's going through the motions. And he asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal. Now, that seems like a really kind and courteous thing. Hey, Jesus, I want you to come over. Spend some time with me, okay? But here's his motivation, I think. If you look back in Luke chapter 6, there's a story about Jesus healing a man who had a withered hand. And it happened to be on the Sabbath day. And the story starts out with the Pharisees watched closely to see whether Jesus would heal the man on the Sabbath because they were eager to find some legal charge to hold against him. Hey guys, watch this. See what Jesus does. See if he breaks our rule on the Sabbath day. So Jesus asked them, is it okay to do good on the Sabbath? And Jesus goes ahead and heals this man's hand. And look at their response. Their response should have been, wow, Jesus, that's amazing. And think of this. The Pharisees had been studying, watching, waiting, looking for the Messiah. And here's the Messiah right in front of them, and they don't even recognize him. You think their response would have been, wow, but um, the man reached out his hand and it became normal. It was healed and at this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with them. I want to suggest to you that the Pharisee invited Jesus to his house for a casual dinner, and maybe we could trip him up on something. I don't think the Pharisee invited Jesus because he wanted to know him better. Pharisees were looking for something to find fault with him. So he asked Jesus to come to his home. Jesus accepted the invitation. And he sat down to eat. Did you catch it? You think, what? What's missing? In a Jewish house, you don't just walk into the house and sit down to eat. You honor your guest. You wash his feet. They wear sandals. They didn't have blacktop or paved roads. They had dusty, dirty roads. And when somebody came to your house, you washed their feet. You greeted them with a kiss on each cheek. I'm good with not doing that. A handshake or a warm greeting is fine. 
And if you really honored this guy, you would anoint his head with oil. But the story says Jesus came in, he sat down, and none of that happened. All right, now another person comes into the picture. A certain woman who was a sinner heard that he was there. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us a couple of things. It doesn't tell us her name. And I said, I think the last time I spoke, I like it when there's not a name because I can put myself into the story. I can inject Mark right there. So if you need to, if you can, put yourself into this story. Here is a woman who is sinful. I hate to tell you, but I am actually. I hear something. I am actually, are you ready for this? A sinful man. Now, I know you're looking at that thinking, what, what in the world is he saying? But I have sin in my life. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And whether, no matter what her sin was, and because she's a woman, everyone assumes the worst. There's no proof to what her sin was. But she was a regular sinner. She made a career out of her sin. And so people looked at her and said, this woman is a sinful woman. Um, here's something interesting. Uh, why would this woman be at a Pharisee's house when he's having dinner with a bunch of his friends? Because in that day, what this Pharisee did was when he invited Jesus over and his friends over, he left the doors open and he left the windows open because some of the neighbors would come by and you could actually come into the house and stand back from the table and actually the table was not a table with chairs like we sit at. They, they laid on the floor and they would lay on their arm. I don't know if I can get back up. <laughs> they, they would sit and eat like this, okay? So you have to have this picture in your mind that they're sitting like this eating and people would come into the house and they would stand around the outer walls and through the windows looking and watching. And you know what? Simon, this Pharisee, his name is mentioned a little later, Simon would be proud to have Jesus in his house. It could be a sign of, or it, it could just be something that would build him up, something that would give him pride. If people could only hear what goes on in my house and what I'm talking about. And so people would just come in. But somehow this woman came in uninvited. Of course, a lot of these, these people were uninvited. But a sinful woman? Because a woman would have no place there. Many Pharisees would pray every day, God, I thank you. Okay, I'm not condoning this. Pharisees would pray, God, I thank you that I'm neither a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. A woman had a very low place in this society. In fact, I read one place where they prayed, God, thank you, I'm not a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. A very, very low place in society. And yet this woman steps into the picture. And she stands quietly, probably back from the wall and watches Jesus as this is going on and she has brought with her a jar of perfume in an alabaster container or like a marble container so a very expensive container and so I'll assume very expensive perfume 
And she comes and she's watching what's going on. And in my head I'm thinking, and the Bible doesn't tell us, she probably came to anoint Jesus because she had, and we'll look at what happened in her life. But as she's standing there, this woman is looking at Jesus and emotions starting to build up in her. And a tear's forming in her eye. And she's starting to shake a little bit to the point where she can't even control herself anymore. And she's looking at Jesus. And she falls, remember Jesus is laying there. And she falls to his feet. And she begins weeping. And the, the Bible says that she wet his feet or she began to weep. Do you know that that weeping is literally, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah when it rained down hailstone and fire. Or it's like in, in the book of um, I, First oh, Kings, oh, when Elijah was up on the mountain, Mount Carmel, and he came down and he ran ahead of the rain, it was a torrential downpour. This woman falls at the feet of Jesus and her tears become like a torrential downpour and she can, can't even control herself and she is weeping and these dusty, dirty feet now become spotted with her tears and she's looking and she's thinking, these feet are dirty. They haven't even been washed. And she has no rag. And she undoes her hair. She lets her hair down. Do you know that letting your hair down was an indecent, almost immoral thing in that day? A woman never let her hair down in public. It was grounds for divorce. And yet this woman threw everything aside. She had one focus. It's like, Jesus, I want to honor you. I want to worship you. And his feet were wet with her tears. And she took her hair and wiped his feet. And if that's not humble enough or worship enough, she starts to kiss Jesus' feet. I don't kiss anyone's feet. Do we do that? And this woman looked to Jesus and said, oh, this, if, if it doesn't tell us she said anything, she's, she's with emotion, she's excited. Jesus has done something for her. And she takes that perfume that probably she would have put on his head. And she's down at his feet and she puts that perfume on his feet. And she kisses his feet and she is giving worship to Jesus. And I have to say to myself, why would she do that? What's happened in this woman's life? May I suggest to you that this woman has heard Jesus if you read the Quran, how many of you had a chronological Bible? All right. So if you read the chronological Bible, and what that does is it takes all of the Bible and puts it in order. Now, I'm not telling you the Bible is wrong, but the New Testament starts out with Matthew. Probably the first book that was written was 1 Thessalonians. And each author kind of writes the story as they saw it. They don't contradict each other. It's not in the same order. If I go to a baseball game with you, like the White Caps, and I write about the food, and you write about the three strike, he struck somebody out three times in a row, and somebody else writes about a home run, or somebody else writes about a great fielding play, you know what? The first thing I'm going to write about are the jalapeno cheese nachos, because that's what I did first. But the others might have written in order 
what happened first, the, the home run or the fielding play or the strikeouts? So what the, what the chronological Bible does, it takes the Bible and it puts it in a correct order. And if you look in your chronological Bible, the verses before this story is Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. And those verses say, Jesus said, Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle. And you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is perfectly fit and my burden will I give you is light. Can you imagine this woman who is called sinner? One day hears Jesus say, come unto me all you who are laboring and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. And this woman said, yes, Jesus, I want that. Do you know what it's like living a life being called a sinner? Do you know what it's like living a life of shame, of guilt, of despair, of rejection? And this woman heard Jesus one day, and I can't tell you it was this or another teaching of Jesus for sure. But I think this woman heard Jesus say, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And this woman said, I'll take it. And her life was changed forever. Since I started studying this, I've been listening to a song by Big Daddy Weave. And I think it's the testimony of this lady's life. It says, seems like all I can see was the struggle, haunted by ghosts that lived in my past, bound up in the shackles of my failures, wondering how long this will last. There was no out for this woman called sinner. All of my life I've been called unworthy, named by the voice of my shame and regret. But when I hear you whisper, child, lift up your head. Oh God, I know you're not done with me yet. Listen, this isn't scripture, but I think it, it, it explains the scripture. And then it says, I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain. Now I'm not what I used to be because I don't have to be the old man living inside of me because his day is dead and gone because I've got a new name, a new life. I'm not the same, and my hope will carry me home. I am redeemed. You set me free. I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain. I'm not who I used to be. Thank God I'm redeemed. And as I read this story, I see in this woman, she comes, I think, to anoint Jesus with oil, but she can't stand it. Something so amazing has happened in her life that she falls to her knees and gives him great worship. Well, I want to say to you, not only is this true for this day, but the same God, the same story. Let me tell you about a rock star who actually heard Big Daddy Weave sing this song. Let me tell you some of this. He says, I was a rock star, and with that came attitude, and, that lifestyle, and with that lifestyle came a lot of bad things. He said, I was miserable, Everybody about me could see it. I was so lost, living far from God on the brink of a failed marriage. And in, 20, in, in 2012, he heard Big Daddy Weave sing this song, which again I say, come unto me, all you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think this song exemplifies that. He says, in that moment, he felt the presence of his God and his life was incredibly altered in that moment. In fact, remember, this is a rock star. He canceled the next show. 
he canceled the tour, he quit the band, and he headed home. And he said, God showed me a glimpse of what my life could be like if I would turn from my sin and follow him. The rock band, Zach Williams and the Reformation. And now he sings, my chains are gone. I've been set free. What Jesus did for this woman, he wants to do for you and for me today. He wants to free us from all that binds us, from all the sin, and to set us free. Go back to Luke chapter 7. Can you imagine Simon the Pharisee? This isn't quite going how he thought. So he's got to come out of this somehow, all right? So she's been kissing his feet, wiping them with her hair. Then the Pharisee, who was the host, which is Simon, saw what was happening. He said to himself, now, now I want you to remember this. He said to himself, that proves Jesus is no prophet. If God really sent him, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Here is a woman right in front of this religious man who has found Jesus and explodes with worship. Her life is changed, and all he can go is, oh, she's bad. How do we see people today? Do we see people only as sinful? Or do we see people who need Jesus and can be set free and Simon thinks to himself, if he only knew what kind of woman this is. And you know what the next verse says? Jesus answered him. Simon, sure, he's not a prophet because he doesn't know what kind of woman he is. But Jesus knows what Simon is thinking. Simon thought to himself, and Jesus answered him and said, let me tell you a story. And Simon says, go ahead, Jesus. And so Jesus begins to pour out this story of how two people were loaned some money. One was loaned 50 denarii, another a 500, and that's about a day's wage. So I don't know how many days a week they work, but I think that's like two months wage versus uh, 20 months or somewhere in there. Two people borrowed money. Neither of them could repay their debt. You know what that meant? You get thrown in jail. You don't pay your debt. It's not like, oh, my bad. It's you go to jail. Neither could repay. So the guy who loans him the money says, listen, I forgive you both. And now Jesus looks at Simon and he says, who do you think loves him the most? Who loves that debtor the most? Oh, man. Simon's sitting there. He's got his friends around the table. The last thing you want is a wrong answer. And sometimes the obvious answer, you're not sure if that's really right. Um, I asked an obvious question in my Sunday school class a week or so ago. The answer was obvious, and the room was quiet. You know why? Because they all thought, is this a trick question? Jesus asked him a question. Who loves the most? Simon says, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. Now, Simon still doesn't quite get the story. Here is a woman known as the sinner, deep, deep, deep in sin. And here's Simon, who's religious. Does he have as much sin in his life? No. But could he pay his debt? No. 
And so now Simon doesn't get it yet. So Jesus comes back to him and he responds to him this way. He says, that's right. And then he turned to the woman. Now Jesus has been laying here. He's talking to Simon. But now he turns his head. Get the scene. He turns his head now and he addresses this woman who has tears rolling down her face. And think of this. They were there for, for a meal and for conversation. Not a word is being said. Nobody at the table is saying a word. There is a silence here. Now Jesus answered. He turns to the woman. He said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. He said, when I enter your home, you didn't offer me water to wash my feet. Do you know who washed people's feet when they came to your house? The lowest servant. Because it was an ugly job. And Jesus says to Simon, you never even washed my feet. But this woman... She's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You talk about humility. You talk about love, respect, and honor. He says to Simon, you didn't even give me a kiss of greeting. But since I got here, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. Simon, you're religious, but you haven't got a clue about what a relationship with Jesus. Religion isn't a relationship. People, we don't have religion. Oh, I hope you don't have religion. That's obeying the rules. We have a relationship with Jesus. We have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And this woman pours out her heart. She doesn't stop kissing Jesus' feet. He says in verse 46, You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. If it would have been a few drops on his head, it would have been great honor. This woman honored him so much because she had been forgiven so much that she comes to Jesus with all of her worship and pours this oil on his feet. And Jesus says in verse 47, I tell you, her sins, and they are many. I want to say to you, Jesus never once just dismissed her sin. He never once just said, oh, that, don't worry about it, that doesn't matter. He never once made light of his sin. Jesus recognized her sin. He says, her sins, and by the way, they are many, have been forgiven. Listen, let me tell you, forgiven is a perfect tense verb. You know how I know that? I read it in a book because English was not my subject. And a perfect tense verb here is describing actions completed in the past and continuing results in the present. And Jesus looked and he said, this woman and her sins, though they're many, are forgiven. Her past sins and all of her present sins are forgiven. So she has shown me much love. Who forgives more? The person with the greater debt or the smaller debt? The person with the greater debt. Who, who loves more, the person with the greater debt or the smaller debt? The, the, it was this woman. Her debt of sin was so huge. She was overwhelmed. She was thrilled by what Jesus did. And he says her sins past and her sins present are forgiven. He looked at her and he said, you are forgiven. And I want to tell you this morning, this woman must have been thrilled because 
she got a name change. And her name was no longer sinner. Her name is now forgiven. And if you couldn't remember her given name here, her forgiven, she might also be known as blameless or holy or righteous or forever changed. Can you imagine the thrill in this lady's heart? I'm no longer sinner. I'm forgiven. To, to understand that. How could Jesus say this? He hadn't been to Calvary yet. But Calvary was just as sure a thing this day as it was the day he died. It was a sure thing. And Jesus said, as sure as I'm going to Calvary, I forgive you. I was talking to Pastor Tom, and he said it this way. It's like Jesus said, put your sin on my credit card, and I'll pay it later. This woman was forgiven, not lightly. Jesus recognized her sin. He said, I will take care of your sin. All this is going on. And in verse 49, the men at the table said among themselves, who does this man think he is going around forgiving sin? Talk about missing it. They've been sitting there watching this whole thing unfold, and they don't get it. They can't see the forest because there's too many trees in the way. They're not comprehending it at all. They're totally missing it, even though they watched all of it happen. I'm nearly finished, and our praise team can come up, begin to gather as we are about to go to communion. The last verse here says, Jesus said to the woman, your faith saved you. It might be easy to misunderstand this story and think, you know what? This woman was saved by works. This woman got on her knees. This woman... um, poured tears over Jesus' feet. This woman wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. This woman anointed his feet. This woman kissed his feet. Surely that kind of action should have a great effect in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, it wasn't her works that saved her. It was her faith that saved her. Um, She, let me get, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone could boast. If if salvation could come by works, this woman could boast someday of how how she fell at Jesus' feet, how she worshipped him, how she anointed his feet with oil. Jesus said, that's not it. It's by faith that she was saved. And now get this, this woman who is known as a sinner, whose life was a wreck, who was tired of the shame and the guilt and all that went with it, Jesus says to her, go in peace. And I think this woman went, oh, peace? I think she started weeping again and she'd say, Jesus, do you know how long since I've had peace? Do you think I've, I can't remember the last time I had peace. Jesus, I lived my life in shame. 
And Jesus says, go, to, go in peace. And I would tell you the reason Jesus could say go in peace is because Isaiah 53, 5 says, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. Let me translate that for you. The New Living says, he was beaten that we might have peace. All of our shame and guilt and judgment of sin, Jesus took that at the cross. Jesus was beaten because of that. And because he was beaten, because he paid the price, Jesus could say to her with confidence and truth and ability, woman, you're no longer sinner. You're forgiven. Go in peace. And for the first time in probably years, this woman knew what peace was. Let me ask you, are you like the woman? Tired of sin? and all it has to offer. Are you ready for change and forgiveness? Jesus still says, come unto me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're going to celebrate in just a few moments communion. This is how Jesus brought peace. This is how Jesus brought forgiveness through his broken body and shed blood. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.